Ruoff Mortgage wants to welcome you home with their fast and stress-free mortgage process. Ruoff knows that when you're ready to move, you want to keep things moving. From the moment you start, Ruoff makes sure the process moves quickly, often twice as fast as other lenders, so you can close quickly and settle in sooner. Visit Ruoff.com to learn how you can qualify for the fastest loan of your life. That's Ruoff, R-U-O-F-F dot com. NASCAR season is here, and everyone on the Toyota racing team is doing their part to perform at the highest level. From driver Ty Gibbs to amateur musician Russell Viper, who's working on the perfect pre-race pump-up track for the team. Start those Camrys up! Yeah! To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. Flow Racing is the new home of NASCAR Roots Racing. Subscribe today and stream over 1,300 racing events live and on demand. See NASCAR legends, past, present, and future battle it out in dirt late models, sprint cars, and more at your favorite tracks every week. Find your next favorite driver by going to flowracing.com forward slash go MRN. That's flowracing.com forward slash go MRN. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. Here they come. They'll angle into the bottom of turn two. Ryan Priest puts almost the whole truck on the apron, trying everything he can to catch race leader Chandler Smith. Here they come off of turn two and up the short up the short shoot. Still two truck lengths between the top two. Less than that now. Ryan Priest drives in deep into turn three for the final time on race leader Chandler Smith. One more shot for Ryan Priest, but it's going to come up short. Chandler Smith across the line, and Chandler Smith has scored the win here this afternoon at the Pocono Raceway. This is awesome. I got a safe flight win earlier this year in Vegas. Now I got charged me a win. Now we got to go get I buy power win eventually. Uh, I think it's Talladega. So really excited. Uh, we had a really fast charging Toyota Tundra today. Danny did a phenomenal job. I knew we were going to be good today. I knew what we had coming here. Uh, without practice, I was a little bit like, ah, I wish we had had practice. But hey, good Lord plays out in funny ways sometimes, right? NASCAR Live is brought to you by Lou Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of NASCAR. It works fast, and you won't stink. And by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. From the MRN studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew here with you as we are getting ready to head to Indiana this weekend, where all three of NASCAR's top series will race, but... At two different racetracks, obviously the Indianapolis Motor Speedway for the Cup in the Xfinity Series, but the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series will begin its playoff run with a trip back to Lucas Oil Raceway Park. More on that coming up. Also on the show today, Christopher Bell is going to join us. He obviously comes off that win a couple of weeks ago at New Hampshire, locked into the playoffs. We'll check in with C. Bell, see where he is and that team is as we get closer to the playoffs for the NASCAR Cup Series. We're also going to take a look at the history of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway's famous Yard of Bricks. I'm sure that'll come into play a lot this weekend, as it always does. We'll also check in with Zane Smith. He'll help us preview things coming up. We'll check in with Zane, see where that team is, 
And, of course, we'll preview this weekend's Verizon 200 at the Brickyard and a whole lot more. But first, Kyle Ricky is here with the biggest headlines in NASCAR Nation coming out of Pocono. Kyle, what do you have for us? Mike, the biggest news from this weekend were the disqualifications of the Joe Gibbs Racing number 11 and number 18 cars after the race on Sunday at the Pocono Raceway. Coming into this week, though, the team has decided that they will not be appealing the penalties, according to JGR Competition Director Wally Brown. In a statement from JGR and Brown saying that, quote, we apologize to everyone for the mistake and we have made changes to our processes to ensure that it does not happen again, unquote. That's not the only news Denny Hamlin was a part of this weekend, announcing that his 2311 team will begin using in-house pit crews next season instead of using crews provided by Joe Gibbs Racing. The move allows the team to no longer rely on JGR, who currently controls all of the pit crew decisions, such as which crew members pit which car. Hamlin said, quote, I think we're on a good path to start that next year. We're in the recruiting process, unquote. And finally, Rackley War Racing announced that Matt DiBenedetto will return to the team for the 2023 NASCAR Camping World Truck Series season. So far this year, DiBenedetto has scored six top 10 finishes for Rackley War with a best finish of six. Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, Joe Gibbs Racing's Christopher Bell will stop by and later, we get a history lesson on Indy's Yard of Bricks. Sir, are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top 9 miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, it did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Less than two weeks ago, it looked like Christopher Bell would be locked into a points battle with former series champion Kevin Harvick for the final playoff spot. But his win at New Hampshire changed all that. Now the youngest Joe Gibbs racing driver can breathe just a bit easier and get ready for another playoff run. Our Chris Wilner was able to catch up with Christopher Bell as the playoffs draw closer. Could we be seeing two first-time winners in the NASCAR Cup Series to kick off the season? It was Michael McDowell winning the Daytona 500 one week ago. And here comes Christopher Bell out of turn 14. Checkered flag is waving at the start-finish line. And Christopher Bell is a winner in the NASCAR Cup Series. He'll take the O'Reilly Auto Parts 253 at the World Center of Racing. Do you think at this point of the season, you guys have got a good grasp on this next-gen car? I mean, obviously, you know, we're going to most of these tracks for the first time with this next-gen car, but as far as where we're at, getting data, doing the tire tests, I mean, are you feeling like we've got a good handle on things at this point of the year? Yeah, I think uh, I think we're getting the cars to drive a lot better. I mean, if you look back at California race, what was that, race two of the year? Yeah. And we saw everyone crash and spin out and bottom out. So I think uh, everyone's learning and, and getting the cars a lot better and, and the racing product has you know, been really good. So uh, I think it's, it's on the up and up right now for sure. On the heels of your big win, 
big news in NASCAR going to Chicago, running the first ever street course next year through the city of Chicago. Uh, what are your initial reactions on, on hearing that news? Obviously, it was tested on iRacing. I know you've been on iRacing, so you probably tested it out a little bit. But what are your overall reactions of uh, July 4th weekend in the Windy City? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's good for the sport. Hopefully, we get a great turnout of fans. I'm really excited about seeing the schedule, and I'm very hopeful that Road America is still on the schedule um, because that's you know, one of my favorite road courses, and I feel like we've had great showings there uh, as a group, as a NASCAR group. So hopefully, we get to continue that relationship with Road America and keep that race on the schedule. If it's not, I mean, what, what would what would your ideal schedule be in terms of balancing road course? Because I think this year, you know, and even looking to next year, we're so much more diverse than we were three or four years ago in terms of the different disciplines of racetrack. So I guess in, in your world, like what would be the best balancing act between intermediate tracks, super speedways and road and street courses? Yeah, I mean, you're right. It definitely puts us in a box because we just added another road course. So. I mean, I don't know. We, it's not like we go to one twice and, we, and it's an easy cut. Uh, but I do think Road America provides a really good race. Looking ahead, we've got the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course. Uh, first time again, we'll have these next-gen cars out at Indy. Um, what about your road course specialty this year in terms of the data get, uh, getting for these next-gen cars that's going to help you uh, out at the Yard of Bricks? So last year, it's funny you bring that up. Last year, road courses and short tracks was our strength. And then this year, road courses and short tracks are our weakness. So Indy is gonna be a, uh, another test for us. We are focusing really hard on getting the road, the road racing stuff better. Um, between Sonoma and Road America, we were not great. So hopefully we make another step in the right direction for Indy. So we got six races to go. What is the mental approach, these final six races? Can you be more aggressive now, or are we still kind of playing the points game and, and making sure we set ourselves up, you know, for, for a strong playoff push? I mean, how aggressive can you be in these final six races? Yeah, so it definitely changes our mindset because in the past, before we got the win, you just have to be really focused on maximizing your points through the stages, regardless of what happens to the finish at the end of the race, where now, we are solely focused on the seven points available week in and week out. That's the two for the stage wins and then the five for the race win. So uh, ultimately, if we can win the stages, we need to win the stages. Um, but if not, we need to focus on putting ourselves in position to win the race. Uh, because, you know, if, if you, with that being said, you could gamble a little bit more. Uh, and if it doesn't pay off, it doesn't pay off. But ultimately, we need to be racing for those seven playoff points each week. As far as JGR is concerned, this kind of puts Martin Truex Jr. teammate in a little bit of a tighter situation. Uh, how does this past weekend at New Hampshire kind of impact them? Um, do, you know, how, how does that kind of change things within the organization? Yeah, I mean, they've, they've been really fast. Obviously, allowed and they were one of the best car, probably the best car, and could have won the race had it worked out for them and, and not for me. Uh, so with that being said, I, I feel very confident that Martin will contend for wins. Uh, it's, it's very hard to win and everything has to go right to win. I've, I've lived that, but I do believe he's going to put himself in position over these next five or six races to win races. And uh, with that being said, he's going to be continuing to gain a lot of points. Um, it's just going to be a matter of if we get another winner or not. And, you know, I would say the likelihood is high. Hopefully it's Martin. 
and you're keeping yourself fresh behind the wheel out there in Pennsylvania running Hyperspeed Week. Um, just how much fun are you having with the micro program away from the NASCAR stuff? Just being able to run it when you can. I know you've also been in the sprint car uh, with the Swindells, but just, you know, talk about that importance of keeping fresh behind the wheel. And I guess, you know, why you, you, you venture off and do this kind of stuff, you know, when your schedule allows. Yeah, so I, you know, I love getting to race as much as I can. And I think it's really good for me as a driver to stay behind the wheel and, and race as much as I can. So this year we've really ramped up my uh, my 600 program. Um, have an Australian, Caden Brown, who's been in the car all year long. So this has been a really good opportunity for me to kind of get back behind the seat and see where we're at, benchmark it. Uh, and, and it's been going good. Uh, happy with where my cars are right now and, and my team's doing a really good job. I got Eric Manfras that's uh, kind of heading up the operation. He's doing a great job. You know, just overall trying to see where the program's at and so far so good. And speaking of micros, you have the promoter hat on as we get closer to your micromania coming up at Texas. How is the planning going for that? And uh, I mean, there's already been quite a few entries, so it's got to be pretty exciting for you. Yeah, that's one thing that I'm super excited about. You know, ever since I went to the Legends track there at Texas Motor Speedway as a kid, I, I thought that it would be a really, really cool place to have a micro sprint race. And if we could do it on NASCAR weekend, then, you know, it would it would draw a bunch of people and, and all the competitors would, would be happy to see it. So it makes my heart happy to hear that it's going to happen. And I hope we have a big turnout and a great race. Thank you, Chris. Coming up, we'll learn what makes the Brickyard so special. And later, NASCAR Camping World Truck Series driver Zane Smith joins us. This NASCAR season, every member of the Toyota Racing Team is doing their part to take the trophy home. Like 6th grader Melissa Kowalski, who changes true to true X on every true-false quiz she takes. All my teachers are Martin Truex Jr. fans now. Keep up the great work, Melissa. To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Indianapolis Motor Speedway has been on the NASCAR Cup Series schedule for nearly 30 years, and the prestige of crossing the famous yard of bricks first has been evident from the very start. What is the history of those bricks, and what makes drivers so eager to kiss them after hours of racing? Indiana native Alex Hayden has more. As Jeff Gordon rolls out of turn number four, he now belongs exclusively to a fraternity of one. The only five-time winner of the Brickyard 400 is Jeff Gordon. Every time it's something special when you go to Indianapolis. Just such a cool place, so much history, uh, and obviously a lot of great memories for me and, and confidence uh, You know, as a driver when, when I go there. One of the traditions surrounding Indianapolis is kissing the bricks. Every driver who wins on the famed track gathers his crew and plants a smooch on the front stretch. What you may not know is why the bricks are there and who started this picture-making tradition. In the fall of 1909, 3.2 million paving bricks were laid on top of crushed rock and tar to improve the speedway. It took 63 
days to finish. Slowly, asphalt was added to rough sections of the turns in 1936, and by 1937, all turns were completely paved with asphalt. The following year, the entire track was converted to asphalt, except for the middle portion of the front straightaway. That remained until October 1961, when the last standing bricks on the front stretch were covered with asphalt. All that was left was a 36-inch strip of the original bricks at the start-finish line. Thus, the yard of bricks was created. The annual kissing of the bricks didn't start for another 30 years. In 1996, Dale Jarrett won the Brickyard 400. He and crew chief Todd Parrott walked to the start-finish line, kneeled down, and kissed the yard of bricks to pay tribute to the history of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. The team joined them and thus started a tradition that winners of the Brickyard 400 and Indianapolis 500 follow to this day. Winning at Indianapolis is a dream for many drivers and owners. Brad Keselowski knows that well after his 2018 win. Roger Penske getting his first cup win here and, and myself getting the first cup win here uh, at such a um, you know historic racetrack that means so much to all of motorsports. Uh, so for us to have our name on that win list sure does mean a lot to me, I can tell you that. Casey Kane kissed the bricks in 2017 after going winless for nearly three years. You know, this is a track that I've always wanted to win at. I feel like I've been actually really fast here since I started. To me, it's always been a track that I've felt really good about and confident with. To win here is unreal. You know, I've, I've been to all the races here. I've been to Brickyards, I've been to 500, I've been to Formula One races. I went around the track in a bus with my dad, like, you know, spent a lot of time here thinking and dreaming about winning at this track and literally just racing at it was, was pretty awesome. In 2011, Paul Menard scored his first Cup Series victory in a big way at Indy. He grew up watching others kiss the bricks, then got his chance. Man, I've been coming here for a long, long time, but not nearly as long as my dad. And um, to, uh, to be the first one after, you know, all of his years of trying to, to win him a race at Indy, very special. Uh, 1989, I think, was my first year here. Uh, spent, you know, 14, 15 years in a row just uh, just hanging out in the infield, being a fan. And, uh, you know, 2007, got to race here. Um, it was uh, definitely the highlight of my career up until that point, and, and here we are in victory lane. It's uh, unbelievable. Jeff Gordon finished second to Menard that day and didn't seem to mind. I was with him the other day, and, and I, I thought it was pretty cool we were talking about you know, him coming here as a kid with his family, you know, I think from like, I don't know, you know, late 80s or something, all the way to 2000 or some 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 ridiculous uh, thing where every year he was here for the, the 500 and knowing, you know, what his dad has done here in IndyCars. I don't think there's anybody that could appreciate a win, even if it is his first win. I think he's in awe right now. I went and saw him, his eyes, he's just kind of like a deer in headlights, but, um, he, uh, you know, I'm so happy for him, and I think a lot of people are, because it's one thing to get your first win here, but it's another thing when you can appreciate how special it is to win here, and I think Paul certainly has that. Jimmy Johnson joined a select group of drivers in 2012 when he scored his fourth win at the Brickyard 400, something he says you don't want to rush through the celebration. Man, it's it's a, a huge moment, and I, I really enjoyed the lap around in the race car um the fans were in the stands going nuts and cheering the uh, the lap in the uh, the camaro around the racetrack with the crew guys and my family and everybody is you know, those moments really help soak it in you know it's usually so busy 
after a race win. But um, what what happens here and how you can actually soak in the moment and look around and realize that you're at the brickyard and um, you've won is, is really special. To kiss the bricks at Indianapolis means you've accomplished something every race car driver dreams about. To be part of the history of the track, to get your picture with your crew kissing the bricks, it's all part of the magic that is Indianapolis. Thank you, Alex. Coming up, NASCAR Camping World Truck Series regular season champion Zane Smith will join us ahead of the series playoff opener. And later, we hear what the drivers are expecting in their second trip to the Indianapolis road course. Well, listeners, in case you didn't get enough sports today, here's an ad break that'll tell you how to watch even more sports. YouTube is the new home of NFL Sunday Ticket. And if you sign up now, you'll get our lowest full season price of the year. Just go to youtube.com slash Spotify offer to get $100 off NFL Sunday Ticket. Watch your favorite team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games exclusively on YouTube and YouTube TV. All right, enough about sports. Go get more sports. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends June 6. No refunds. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. The biggest story of the season in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series has been Zane Smith. After two consecutive runner-up finishes in the series standings, Smith found himself without a ride. But after Todd Gilliland's move up to the Cup Series, Zane Smith was able to hook up with Front Row Motorsports, and it's been a match made in heaven. Our Kim Kuhn had the chance to sit down with Zane to talk about his season and what it's going to take to finally secure that elusive title. Zane Smith has raced his way by hooker by Crook. Trouble coming off the trioval. Caution flag is out. This race is now official. The leader took the white flag. Zane Smith out front when the caution flag came out for a crash exiting the trioval. Those trucks spun all the way down towards the inside of turn number one as safety trucks pull onto the speedway. The caution is out and Zane Smith has won the next Era Energy 250 at Daytona International Speedway. You come into the playoffs, the regular season champion, three wins on the season. By all means, you are the championship favorite. Does it feel like it? Uh, Yeah, I I would say so, just from how our regular season went. Um, I mean, obviously, that was something I, I had circled uh, to start the year, just knowing those bonus points you get, they go a long way. And so... Um, I don't know. We're not going to change a whole lot going to the playoffs just because of how well we ran, I feel like, and how consistent we were. And I feel like that's what we we need in the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, I would say I'm the, the favorite, but um, that's a good thing and a bad thing. It definitely comes with a lot of pressure. So, um, I don't know. Hopefully I could prove myself right in Phoenix. Does that pressure you mentioned, does that come from yourself, your team, the fans, maybe all of the above? Yeah, I mean, all of the above, mostly just for myself. Just when you start out a, a year really strong, it's it's really good, but um, you almost think it, it could only go downhill from here. And so uh, that's probably not the best way to look at it, but uh, we've been able to grab a couple more wins and, uh, like I said, the regular season championship. And so things are really good right now. And so... Uh, but then again, the, the playoffs are pretty much a whole other season. And so uh, we just need to have another good season. For everything you guys did right during the regular season, is there anything you guys need to work on or you feel like you need to dial up a notch that maybe wasn't there? Um, I mean, 
I think just the playoffs amplify everything, and so yeah, we we need to step it up. But um, <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, I think besides Pocono, the past four weeks our worst finish was third, and so like I said, that's exactly what you need to get to Phoenix. And then by the time you do get to Phoenix, um, it's just whoever is the best that day, and so hopefully that's us. So let's look at the rounds. The first round, the round of ten. IRP, Richmond, Kansas. What stands out to you about this round? Yeah, those are... um, I mean, IRP is the uh, oddball there, uh, I think, for everyone. But, I mean, I I enjoy going to short tracks. Um, I feel like Richmond and Kansas, though, are two really good racetracks for me. And so uh, I think that's an opportunity to score a lot of points, hopefully to carry into the next round. Um, I think Richmond at night will be a lot of fun um and then obviously kansas in the beginning of the year for us went very well so if we could uh back that up that'd be really good zane smith his ford working the middle lanes of the banking he's headed for the checkered flag the breakout season continues a dominating win tonight for zane smith off four final time checkered flag is out and zane smith picks up the win in the heart of america 200 at the kansas speedway what else sets Kansas apart for you besides the success you've had there? Yeah, I mean, that's just has always has been probably my favorite racetrack. Just it's so much fun, uh, especially in the trucks, because dirty air for us is so bad. And so um, Kansas is one of those where every single lane works. And so you just go where they're not. And um, and I feel like the racing there is just always really good. But restarts there can be hectic sometimes um but yeah definitely will always be one of my favorites so then we look at the round of eight bristol talladega homestead to me this is a challenge after challenge after challenge from the seat of the truck what is it to you yeah pretty much what you just said (laughs) i feel like bristol uh will be it goes so smooth until there's a late race caution and then uh, it gets hectic. And so I do like Bristol being in the beginning of the round versus last year's a cutoff race. Mm-hmm. And so that's a lot better. Talladega is just a headache being in the cutoff round. Um, but I don't know. I mean, Daytona went obviously really good for us, but super speedways are just their own animal. But if we'd have a good point stay there uh, and hopefully just go into Homestead, uh, soon after we just need to have a solid day after that I I will be the first to say being in the must win is not that much fun last year was a lot of fun for me but I don't want to deal with with that again looking specifically at Talladega you can't win a championship there but depending on what happens you could certainly lose a championship there I know it's survival mode is it more pressure than any of the the other tracks what is it about Talladega yeah, I mean, just super speedway racing. I feel like Daytona falls in the same category, and it's just there's a lot that's out of your power, and that's the scariest thing is uh, guys get shuffled up to the front that probably shouldn't be up there, and uh, before you know it, you're in a big wreck, and sometimes upside down, it's it's not fun. And so, um, I don't know, and then there's some times where you get to go visit Victory Lane after, and... Um, Obviously, that one is is what we all are going for, and and that's why uh, why we see those big wrecks. And so, uh, and I think 
winning Talladega already was was big and, and cool, but uh, now there's a lot of online for it. And so the guys that haven't won this year, they're going into that saying, this is our, my shot. And then at the same time, there's a lot of guys that are playoff racing and, and we're all on the same page there. And so it just is hectic. Uh, I've been on the, the bad side of it twice. And so um, hopefully third time's a charm. Turn that around. And then the champion's crown in Phoenix, based on your last couple of years at Phoenix, what have you learned and what do you maybe do differently there? Yeah, I mean, um, just getting to Phoenix is a championship of its own, I feel like. Uh, and then it's whoever is the best that day. And I feel like my first year, um, we were really strong. I was I was pretty green still, just my first year of truck. Uh, and then my second year, I feel like we just lack speed. I think we qualified near 20th and um we just needed to be better last year and uh we fired off plenty good when we got by ben and then um just got insanely tight there at the the end when he got by me with about seven to go but um i mean yeah i i said it there just be the best that day out of everyone and um like i said you got to get there first looking at all of the races in the playoffs is one of them an opportunity race for you guys? Like, if you had to circle one opportunity race, what would it be? Uh, I mean, it's hard not to circle Kansas just from how our first Kansas went. Um, <clears throat> I mean, yeah, that that there and, and Richmond. I wish either of those was kind of in the following round. Um, but, I don't know, we're all, we're all in the same boat, and uh, I'm excited for it. This year has been quite the year for you. I would say career year. Would you not? Yeah. Yeah. You you look at the things you've done, the consistency you've had three wins already. You got to hop in the cup car for the first time. You got engaged. So even like your life away from the track has just been this whirlwind. How would you describe what 2022 has been for you? Yeah, definitely one to remember. I feel like obviously starting out your year with a a win at a brand new race team, um, for myself, uh, is just huge for anybody typically to be rolling at the end of daytona is a really good day and so um to start out the year there and then follow it up with two more wins and the regular season championship and then all in between this uh, i've gotten engaged and then i got a super last minute call to go run a cup car uh for rfk and um i don't know it's been it's been crazy but there is uh a lot of more time from now to Phoenix to make it even crazier. So I'm ready for it. Thinking outside of the truck series because of, you know, the opportunity you had with RFK and just the, this year has almost felt like not an audition year for you, but a year that you have caught the eye of a lot of people. So what does the future hold for you in NASCAR? Yeah, I'm not sure yet. I should know uh, sooner than later, but um yeah, I mean, I hear the the same rumors as everyone else, and it's cool to see the people noticing what we're doing. And so um, that's the main thing. But currently, I mean, I I have a team around me that handles all that, and I'm fortunate about that because that side of pressure is no fun. And so um, my main goal right now is to focus on these playoffs and get to Phoenix, and um, hopefully race wins just handle everything in between. Thank you, Kim. Coming up, Kyle Ricky has a preview of the Verizon 200 at the Brickyard. And later, we look back at one of the best races ever at Lucas Oil Raceway Park.
NASCAR Live is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast and you won't stink. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We continue on this week's NASCAR Live. This weekend will be full of racing action in Indianapolis. The Camping World Truck Series gets things going on Friday at Lucas Oil Raceway Park. On Saturday, the NASCAR Xfinity Series and IndyCar Series will both race at the Indianapolis Road Course. And then Sunday, the main event, the Verizon 200 for the Cup Series on that very same road course. What are the Cup Series drivers expecting in their second time racing at the Indy Road Course? Kyle Ricky has more. The summer stretch for the NASCAR Cup Series and the playoff push continues this weekend with a trip to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. For just the second time ever, the Cup Series will race on the road course that races through the infield of the racetrack. The inaugural event last year was a chaotic one with a surprise race winner. A.J. Allmendinger won the event to mark Colleague Racing's first victory in the NASCAR Cup Series. One driver who was also a player late in the race was Denny Hamlin. Hamlin looked like he might be headed to victory lane until a late race incident with Chase Briscoe took him out of contention. Hamlin says he is a fan of the course, but he admits that pure speed out of your race car matters more than pure road course prowess. I, I like that road course. It's pretty smooth. It's not a whole lot to it per se. You just got to really hit your marks really well. It's, it's not too terribly technical. Uh, I think, you know, the guys with fast cars are going to be the ones to, to beat there, even if they're not a plus plus road course racers but uh, I, I prepare for road courses a little bit more than i do for ovals simply because i'm not as good at them um, and hopefully we, we take strides to be even better than what we were last year a driver who led laps in the race a year ago and finished in the top five was chase elliott elliott is considered by many to be the best road course racer in the sport but the points leader says he has a lot of improving to do on that specific course. I feel like we have a lot of work to do. I feel like that's probably been one of my one of my worst road courses uh, personally. I just never never really felt like I got a hold of, of the track last year. I ended up uh, kind of by happenstance running the Xfinity race uh, last year as a as a sub in unfortunate circumstances there. But I was grateful to have run that race because I was really bad. Uh, on the cup side until I got some extra reps. So I think that was helpful. Uh, so going back, I, I just, I need to, I need to do some homework this week on how to be better up there. Cause I, I do not feel uh, very good about, about that track and just uh, never, never got in a good groove there last year at all. I felt like I was always kind of bleeding and what was never really on offense. I felt like I was, I was on defense more, more than I was making moves and, and moving forward. So that, that's not a place you want to be, especially at, at those tracks anywhere for that matter. But certainly something I, I want to improve at and, and I'm going to put some effort into this week to try to do that. Another driver who had speed last year was Christopher Bell. Bell says he was impressed with his speed last season, but he isn't confident heading into this weekend's race because of Toyota's struggles on road courses so far this season. Last year we had a really strong run. I think we were supposed to finish inside the top 10 before the fiasco happened at the end of the race. Uh, so that was disappointing, but this year in general, road course racing has not been strong to uh, the Toyota group. So we took a step forward from Sonoma to Road America. Hopefully we can take another step forward for Indianapolis. But with that being said, it's not one that I have circled to compete for a win at. 
Adding to the uncertainty for Bell are changes made to the track and how differently it will race in the next-gen race car. Yeah, I mean, I, I really liked the little chicane before the back straightaway last year, but I think that they're removing that curb, so it's pretty much going to eliminate the section that I was strong in last year. So that was that's disappointing, but um, with that being said, there's a lot of things that I can improve on as a driver to hopefully be more prepared when we go back there, and the, this car is going to be completely different. So uh, the shift pattern is going to be really interesting to see where we're at gear-wise, and just going to be different than last year so hopefully it's a benefit for us one thing that was a point of discussion heading into the race weekend last year was some drivers missing racing on the oval at indianapolis and their desire to return to the brickyard 400 while hamlin enjoys the road course he still says he would prefer to race on the oval i know there's a lot of factors right uh but but i just don't see we're taking a major race which was the brickyard off the schedule and putting a road course just doesn't it didn't ever really make sense to me even if the racing wasn't fantastic i mean who cares it's a big event you know so i think actually these next gen cars would have a better chance because of how much drag they have of putting on a better show than what we've had in the past especially if they kind of get the horsepower and aerodynamic package right uh, they have so much drag, you, you could see an indie-type race where there's a lot of passing down the straightaway. So I, I certainly would like to see him revisit that for sure. You could also add Corey LaJoy's name to the list that prefer to race on the oval. And the Spire Motorsports driver points out aspects of the new car that he thinks would make it race better than the Gen 6 car. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the intermediates have been this car's strength. Um, and it's what they kind of designed it for with the diffuser and... Um, how the, the engine takes in air, how the radiator cools out the hood, like all of that was the, the intent for mitigating the effects of dirty air at a mile and a half. And, you know, one of the worst places we go to for dirty air and how it affects you is just Indy. So I feel like it would be as good of a race as we've seen there in a long time. The fact remains that whether drivers are racing through the infield on the road course or on the 2.5 mile oval, Cars still cross over the famous yard of bricks at the start-finish line. And the winner on Sunday afternoon will be celebrating by hoisting a trophy and planting a kiss on those very same bricks as the winner of the Verizon 200 at the Brickyard. Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, we look back at a classic battle from Lucas Oil Raceway Park and later this week in NASCAR history. Today's broadcast is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. The NASCAR Camping World Truck Series makes their return to Lucas Oil Raceway Park this weekend. The short track, just a short drive away from the big track, is known to most as IRP, and it hosted Xfinity Series and Truck Series racing for years. The fan-favorite track was home to many classic battles, including the summer of 2003. Brian Vickers and Shane Meal had a classic battle. In a snippet of a never-heard-before feature, we go behind the wheel with Vickers and Meal as they look back on that race. Just six miles west of the famed Indianapolis Motor Speedway lies the smaller, less glorious Indianapolis Raceway Park. Just like most short track events, contact is common and expected. 
but IRP was unique in giving drivers options while negotiating the half-mile track. Innovative motorsports driver Shane Meal. Being so racy and such a place to where you can run too wide, top, bottom, uh, middle, top, it kind of really just depends on where your car handles. You know, my car luckily that night handled good on the top. Brian Vickers remembers IRP being ahead of its time in design. You know, it was interesting. It was one of the first, like, really successfully, you know, I mean, at least for the bigger series anyway, um, you know, what we now call progressively banked racetracks, where it had multiple grooves um, and, and just really put on great racing. Um, you know, and at the time, no one really called it that. It was just, you know, it was just IRP and it was a great racetrack. And then years later, you know, NASCAR got into this whole thing about deciding big tracks and mile and a half tracks and big tracks and small tracks with progressive banking and they cut it into Bristol and they did, you know, but it, but it was like, it was kind of known for that before it was even known for it. And, and I think that's one thing that made it really special along with, you know, its own history. Earlier that day, Shane Meal claimed the pole for the Kroger 200. 22.311, the time it took to get around the track here, 22 seconds to be exact. 110.69 miles per hour. Shane Meal starts off on the bud pole. Well, the guys built the car just like Dell Jr. had in 99, the year he won the championship. And it was an older car, but it was a different style front clip that we had and different people wouldn't run, thought it was too old school. And uh, we built the car and run fast, went and tested it at Greenville Pickens and ended up being super quick. A great crowd on hand at IRP tonight. They are all on their feet as they hit the stripe. The green flag is out. Shane Meal gets a terrific jump into turn one. Shane Meal led the first 107 laps of the race until Brian Vickers took the lead just past halfway. Shane Meal able to keep that momentum up in the outside lane, letting that car ride free. Lap traffic dead ahead, and there it is. Down low, Vickers pins Meal behind the lap car of Dana White, and we've got a new leader. It could turn down under the middle better than I could. Um, I was better on exit, and I could make my straightaway longer, but just the way he could turn down in the corner earlier, he could pick up the gas earlier than I could, but I could get back to wide open earlier than he could. It's one of those things to where uh, I knew if I didn't keep him pinched down, he was going to beat me bad. Vicker says dealing with lap traffic was key in taking the lead from Meal. I like the high line. I was always known to go quick to the high line, but I wasn't really stuck to it. You know, there's, there's guys that are always bottom huggers, and there's guys that are always up top, and I really, I was always very comfortable running high or low. I think what I really tried to focus on was finding a car that I wouldn't be stuck in one groove or the other. Because I think that's, I think ultimately that's, you know, unless you're really, really fast, you sit on the pole and you just you just dominate. Um, at some point in the race or another, particularly IRP, particularly because lap cars, some lap cars went to the bottom, some lap cars went to the top. You had to be versatile. And I think that's what paid off for us. There's a new look up front, and it is Brian Vickers in the GMAC Chevrolet. If I remember correctly, I felt like he was he was really stuck to one groove, and we were we were able to move around a little bit more through traffic and different stuff, and I could run high or run low. And that was something that I focused on at IRP and something I focused on my whole career. That's just a small piece of an over 15-minute story that you'll hear in its entirety on this week's edition of NASCAR Live Wide Open. That show drops every Thursday on all podcast platforms. Be sure to check it out. 
that story. There's more to that story than what you just heard right there. Coming up, Susie Armstrong with a brand new This Week in NASCAR History. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. All right, folks, it's our favorite time of the week, and we sure it's yours as well. This week in NASCAR history is here, and Susie Armstrong is at the control. Susie? Well, thank you, sir. 1982, Chicago Rockers Survivor had their sights set on radio greatness with the classic anthem from Rocky III, Eye of the Tiger. Steven Spielberg phoned home with major profits as E.T. the extraterrestrial topped the box office. And Bobby Allison was out of this world at the Tricky Triangle, guiding the Die Guard Racing Buick to victory in the Mountain Dew 500 at Pocono Raceway. Obviously, Waldrip, as Ned Jarrett called it, running out of fuel on the racetrack. A tough break. Allison sailing high, wide, and handsome all by himself on the 200th lap around Pocono International Raceway. Bobby keeps it low down through three. It looks like he'll double up at Pocono this year. Coming out of the number three corner and down to the line, the fans cheer Bobby Allison as he sweeps across the stripe and takes the checkered flag to win. The Mountain Dew 500 sweeping both races at Pocono International Raceway. I like big butts and I cannot lie. You other brothers can't deny. 1992, Anthony L. Ray, a.k.a. rapper Sir Mix-A-Lot, topped the Billboard Hot 100 with a double platinum hit, Baby Got Back. Long before he won the 2021 NASCAR Cup Series Championship, Kyle Larson joined the human race, born July 31st in Elk Grove, California. Whitney Houston and R&B singer Bobby Brown tied the knot after a three-year courtship. And Ernie Irvin cozied up to victory lane in Alabama, driving the Kodak film Chevy to the win in the Die Hard 500 at Talladega Super Speedway. Setting down the inside lane. Sterling Marlin having to choose the high side. And now Rudd slides up the banking. Marlin takes a look to the inside. Elliott hooks on the bank. Buckber. Ernie Irvin leads off turn four. Back to the checker. What a weekend for Ernie Irvin. He won the Fram Filters 500K for the Bush Series yesterday. He may win here today. Sterling Marlin trying to give it one more try. He cuts to the inside. But Ernie Irvin holds on to win the Die Hard 500. Two thousand two, Nelly turned up the thermostat on the airwaves with chart toppers hot in here and dilemma. A decade before Lance Armstrong forfeited his victories amid a doping scandal, the professional road racing cyclist took top honors in the 89th Tour de France. And there was no chicanery on the tricky triangle as Bill Elliott drove the Dodge Dealers UAW Dodge from pole to goal in the Pennsylvania five hundred at Pocono. I said-
past the tunnel turn. Here he comes for the final time through turn number two, down to the inside, off of turn number two, and onto the short straightaway. Once he finally grabbed the lead here late in the race, Bill Elliott has been unchallenged. He is right now as he comes down to turn three for the final time. Kurt Busch will have nothing for him. A good run for him, though. Bill Elliott's off the corner looking for checkers. Bill Elliott started on the bud pole for the race here today, led a total of three times. He comes to the stripe, and he will win the Pennsylvania 500. And those are just some of the events from this week in NASCAR history. Thank you, Susie. We'd also like to thank Zane Smith for joining us. Also, for Christopher Bell giving us some time this week, I'm Mike Bagley. For the rest of the MRN crew, we thank you for tuning in. We can't wait to talk to you again next week right here on NASCAR Live. Until then, so long, everybody. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina, and was brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of NASCAR. It works fast, and you won't stink. And by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Today's broadcast was produced by Alexa Wesselman, Julian Council, and Trey Downing. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts and descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network. Buying a house can feel like you're going 200 miles per hour in bumper-to-bumper traffic with a dirty windshield and the sun in your eyes. Ruoff Mortgage has the technology, expert staff, and resources to simplify the process while speeding up the time it takes to get clear to close. So while getting a loan can seem intimidating, Ruoff Mortgage will have you opening the door to your new home fast and stress-free. Visit Ruoff.com to learn more. That's Ruoff.com.